On this episode, I get to talk to Carl Kroll, a bike packer from Minnesota, currently finishing his trip from Alaska to Costa Rica. We talk about some of his experiences traveling, including looking for kumas, uh, fermented horse milk, playing Tejo in South America, and the infamous banana shirt. You can find Carl on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon. Links in the description below. You can also follow Caleb vs. Self on Instagram or email at calebvsself at gmail.com for any comments, suggestions, or feedback. I hope you enjoy. There we go. Now we are recording. Uh, Carl, again, thank you so much for coming straight into it man um the background that you have starting with taking a long board from minneapolis to duluth uh, what was 150 160 miles what what is it in your brain that says hey i want to go as far as i can go using just you know myself and minimal engineering to get places uh yeah i (laughs) you know it's what what is it about myself that's a good question i ask myself that a lot um it you know when i first started out it was kind of something where it was like i wonder like for example with that longboard trip it was i wonder if i can do this and like i mean just if it was possible because until you know somebody else who did it or you yourself do it it's i mean I, I didn't know if it was if it was possible or what would happen so it's just kind of a curiosity and and wanting to see how i would re, like my body would react and how, how i would handle trying this long trip on a uh, with human powered travel so yeah I, I guess just pu- pushing the boundaries is how why i got started doing it and and push the boundaries you have i mean at this point last i saw you did a post not too long ago saying what you're at uh well over twenty two thousand touring miles or 36,000 kilometers touring on a bike um obviously you've you've had to have learned and experienced so many uh amazing things but the first one that i saw or at least heard you talk about was your tour in warsaw around i believe it was the tatra mountains in 2017 yeah, you did your homework. Good job. Uh, yeah, that was my first bicycle tour. Uh, I moved. I was living in Warsaw, Poland, and then biked from there around the Tatra Mountains and included a little bit of climbing and climbing the tallest mountain in Slovakia and then biking back to Warsaw. And for that, what it was there something in that trip that said to you like i gotta keep doing this was there an experience or just a or was it just the the release and the freedom to go and and just ride and see what was out there that first trip was actually when i did that first trip i knew that i wanted to do a trip from warsaw poland to istanbul turkey so it was actually kind of a shakedown ride and again i like I had only done a tour on a skateboard. I'd never done a bicycle tour. So it was kind of getting comfortable and seeing what worked, seeing what didn't. Uh, I learned a lot of 
mechanical things about bicycles in that short first trip and yeah I kind of learned what I what worked for as far as a tent and that sort of thing uh, like how how my shelter system worked so mm. there's a lot of learning that went on in that first trip and it was kind of very intentional to plan towards the next trip gotcha so almost a little bit of trial by fire yeah 100 <laughs> percent. and i mean until you get out there and do it you really don't know what to expect or you can't really imagine what it's like yeah was that trip did you go through the ukraine on that trip on that first trip i did not nope it was just poland and slovakia okay okay because yeah, i i was listening to a podcast that you did as well and you had a very particular experience in the Ukraine where you got invited to a stew dinner, but instead of serving you vodka, they were drinking cognac. Culturally speaking, like how many of those odd things have you run into through your travels? Because you've been in like, you know, 20, 25 countries. I mean, you've you've been in so many different places and experienced so many different cultures. Were there other like things like that where you were kind of like, oh, I didn't I didn't expect this? Yeah, I mean, there's. I'm always being surprised by different cultures, and yeah, I mean, I I would say there's a lot, and I'm trying to come up with something off the top of my head of an example, but. Uh, well, let me help you out with that then. Uh, one of the ones in your <laughs> videos that I saw was you playing. I might mispronounce it, but it's Tejo, maybe Taho Tejo. Oh yeah. Uh so yeah, what is it it's yeah, it's Te I think it's Tejo in Colombia. Yeah. Uh yeah, and I guess I mean that that's a a w I don't know what to call it, a sport, uh a game. It's more it's like it's definitely a it's a drinking game. It's probably the coolest drinking game of all time, but it's in Colombia and you basically throw large what are you throwing large metal balls at little explosive gunpowder packets and uh trying to score points it's kind of like cornhole or uh what's the other name for in the midwest i think we call it cornhole but it's kind of like cornhole with a little bit of explosives <laughs> yeah i i was thinking uh horseshoe but cornhole i feel like is closer so for people who are listening, and I only learned about this a few days ago watching Carlos's videos, but they do like almost like a diamond shape of four, um, I mean, firecrackers or explosives, and you throw this rock towards it. And I think if you hit like the middle and don't explode anything, you get a certain amount of points. If you hit something that explodes, you get a certain amount of points and you just kind of play until you hit whatever number is the, whether it's 11 or 21 or, you know what I mean? Something like that. Is that... That's pretty close to describing it, right? Yeah, I think you played to twenty-one, and uh, yeah, there's quite a bit of quite a bit of skill, actually, some strength involved too, because the balls that you're throwing are super heavy, and and if you get it in the center, it's three points, let's say, and then if you get an explosion, it's one point, something like that. Mm. Yeah. So some of the other ones that I I was intrigued by as well is you in your trip to Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan, 
you know, seeing these people up in the steps in their yurts and something that you had said was you were, you were, uh, I don't know if you had it, but, uh, what is it? Kumas? You were looking maybe to get some Kumas, some fermented horse milk. Yeah. I, I always called it Kumas. Kumas. I'm sorry. Yeah. But it, no, but it could be Kumas too. And it's, I actually got like drank a decent amount of it while there and it's fermented horse milk it can also be fermented camel milk but the more common common version is uh the horse milk and it's very slightly alcoholic uh but it's something that genghis khan and the like the uh i guess the hordes like of of khans as they were trapped or what the hordes of was it Mongolia? Uh, of Mongolians, yeah. Well, but it's also it's from that air. The it's Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, and Mongolia, that whole region. But they oh, would gotcha. they would travel with this uh, milk, and they would kind of had sustenance while they were mobile and traveling. So it was a a really good form of nutrition to be a traveling army. So it, it's something really interesting. It really intrigued me and i got to try it a couple of times how, how do you go about that conversation when you're in the middle of of a region that you know you don't i don't think i could be wrong but i don't think you speak the language there do people just look at you weird like oh this american just wants to drink this bullshit or like what how does that conversation come about <laughs> well um you know so they do at the time I was living in Poland so my Polish was okay and then from Polish I could fake a little bit of Russian so I could ask super basic things uh so I'm sure I just went to a place and asked asked for kumis or you know kept an eye out for kumis I mean I know if I went to a yurt I would ask if they had kumis or see what they have because these horse these uh Nomadic people, they're always making stuff for themselves. So then they always have, they're very happy to sell a little bit to somebody traveling. Uh, so, yeah, if I would stop at a yurt, like out in the middle of nowhere, I would definitely just ask for pumice. And then there were a couple other local things that we started to find out, uh, or like that we dis- we discovered for ourselves. <laughs> that were really good and nutritious, like something that was kind of like a, a ghee, like a, a buttery cheese. And then maybe there was, oh, and then they have a kefir, which is like a real, like a, actually they call it Iran there. So it's, which Iran is common all throughout that kind of region from the Balkans all the way there to Central Asia. But it's like a kefir, but like a, a really good, liquid yogurt so hmm. uh yeah so i guess just find out what the what the locals have and uh ask to see if they if they have any to spare or willing to sell any but i mean more often than not in kyrgyzstan like people are also going to come up to you and just offer it you know if they see you out in the middle of nowhere they're they're excited to to see somebody exploring their country and you know, they're 
really happy if you're interested in uh in local stuff so. yeah I, the yeah. other thing that i while watching some of your videos i thought was interesting is at one point you had some stuff stolen and you had some locals come by as well and offer you you know food and uh, a way to heat uh water if i'm not mistaken and, and they said to you like you know it's unfortunate but this isn't our country like we don't steal your shit um is that something that throughout your travels you feel like is a general uh like humanity thing like yeah there's a couple of people that might do something that is kind of crappy but for the most part people are pretty friendly and pretty open and and want to you know get to meet you and and show you what their country or their culture or their you know their town is all about yeah just the the good of humanity is something that has blown me away, uh, and yeah, it's it's uh, always always there. You know, if something bad happens, there's I find that there's always going to be something to offset it. You know, and or twenty things to offset it. So yeah, I'm I'm always amazed by the goodness of humanity, and it's uh, one of the reasons why I love bike traveling is because I get to experience a lot of the goodness of humanity and and it also forces me to trust in other people uh hmm. i mean right now right now uh we like just some backstory we had some trouble getting this podcast going yeah and it was because i had trouble like i got to town a town late tonight and i'm setting up i set up camp in kind of a weird abandoned rv park <laughs> And it's kind of a eerie feeling, but I just have to trust, you know, nobody's going to come mess with me. And, uh, I mean, hopefully that's the case and everything's all right. You know, it's just, you I have a lot of faith in humanity. In <laughs> an abandoned RV park isn't the weirdest place you've crashed either. I've seen pictures of yeah. you in the back of an abandoned ambulance at one point. And if I'm not mistaken, an old abandoned, uh, like, like army base. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's <laughs> when you're traveling by bike, it you're not going the biggest distances every single day, so it kind of forces you to stop at those in-between places. And so the yeah, the army base in Bolivia <laughs> in the mountains of Bolivia near the border with both Chile and Argentina was uh definitely one of the strangest places and what was an even more strange experience there is that there had been nobody like we were on a we weren't on a road we weren't on something that you could barely call a path like just some lines in the in the kind of it's basically sand but it's it's maybe it's kind of pebbly it's not it's not quite really fine sand but let's just say it's like coarse enough sand where you could ride a bike on it most of the time <laughs> sure, there's sure. a lot of push there's a lot of pushing to us so it's not it's not great uh and some one jeep came down in the night and it was bolivian military and they came and saw them us at the like my buddy and i at their abandoned army base and they just came and checked out what we were doing listen uh, like i told them hey i'm doing on this long bike trip 
and they just kind of let us be. There was there wasn't a problem after they looked at our stuff, saw that we weren't causing an issue, and okay, like you guys are good to stay for the night, but <laughs> uh, but I can't well, you- imagine a lot of countries where if they found you staying at their abandoned military base that they'd be too happy. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, there's probably an undertone of you can stay here tonight, but you better get out of here tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, continuing on in, in some of your other travels, obviously one of the, the ones you also filmed was your trip through South America, uh, from the, from one of the furthest most points. Uh, let me see. Trying to remember exactly where Ushuaia, Argentina. Yes. So it's on the like the bottom, the very bottom of South America, <laughs> in Tierra del Fuego is that region. It's Argentina and Chile. And the goal was to get to Alaska, which we'll get to what happened there. But going through um, some of that country there just looked freaking amazing and for you i mean obviously a video camera doesn't really do it justice but being out there riding and in some situations you're by yourself and others you've got some friends with you what is the appeal for you being that far into the deep country especially in a place as uh beautiful and quite frankly sometimes i think unforgiving a uh, place like patagonia through chile and argentina and all those places I mean, the the allure for me is just to experience it and see it. Uh, then when it, I mean, if it gets to a really desolate place or, I mean, then it t- kind of turns into the fun of the challenge of planning for multiple days without a resupply and uh, just proving to myself that I can do it, you know, and, and having that faith and when I'm by myself, that self-reliance that, okay, if something happens, I'm going to be able to get myself out of the situation. And, uh, I have enough faith in myself that I can go, go to this really remote area. Mm. So there, there are multiple different reasons. I mean, so a lot of it is for the experience to, to see it because I hadn't seen any of that, uh, country and in, in South America, and yeah, now traveling on a bike, I you get to interact with, <laughs> you know, in in a very intimate fashion. So. Yeah, I think at one point too, I heard heard you talk about and and saw briefly as well that you know you ran into some friends at one point. Uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, at one point they took a ferry and you decided to ride all the way around like some lake. Is that part of that pushing your uh, envelope, if you will? Like, everyone's going on the ferry. Let me try this hard thing real quick. I'll meet you guys on the other side. Is that part of that, just that challenge? Uh, I I mean, a little bit, yeah. Uh, I guess, yeah, with that, it, it was just, uh, I'd heard from a few people that it was possible. And so then, just to decided to go for it and yeah I, I guess in the worst case it just would have been a a really long day and i will say that my friends they did carry some of my gear 
on the ferry. So okay. <laughs> I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> so sure. I had a, a little bit lighter of a bike. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know so, that, uh, stubbornness to, I don't know, not always take the easiest route. I, I mean, for me, from my perspective, I find that, um, amazing. I find that highly admirable just because, you know, a lot of people today, I would argue, and maybe it's just more our country, you know, obviously we're from the United States, but to continue to push yourself in such ways where mental and in, in where you find the mental and physical limits to who you are is something that continues to, I think, you know, build your character and force you to really address things that on a human level are necessary. And I think it makes you a truer version of yourself. Um, I mean, for you, do you feel like that continues to, allow you to figure out the best version of you pushing the envelopes mentally and physically by taking some of these trips and doing some of these. And you do not just backpacking. I mean, I've, I've watched a video where you go uh, on a five day trip into what looks like, if I'm not mistaken, like the Minnesota backcountry there in the middle of winter to do some snow camping and ice fishing. Uh, you do all sorts of stuff like that from time to time. Is that where you feel like you get the best version of yourself? Most definitely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it's. Yeah. And every time you push yourself, you kind of learn something about yourself. Like, all right, I was in this situation and I handled it, you know, so that <laughs> you kind of want to find like where the next, where the next step is, where your limits are. Uh, so it, I find that when you are forced to work with yourself in those hard situations, when you want to give up, there's some weird sort of mental clarity and <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting, but I really, <laughs> in the moment, I don't always like pushing myself there, but you know, afterwards it's, it's always those times that are the, I don't know, things that you look back on and say that was really something or I, I really dug deep and I made it through. I mean, you mentioned that trip in northern Minnesota in the Boundary Waters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done a lot of trips around the world or like, gone all sorts of places and this was in my backyard and it was on par like the difficulty <laughs> with uh, a lot of things i've done and it and that was in the winter so i you know i didn't really like i knew i know that it's winter camping is possible but i didn't know how i would do winter camping uh, you know, would I just suffer the whole time or would I be able to have some enjoyment? So it was, it was kind of this way to push the envelope. And I don't want to say it's like, like creating an adventure resume, but it's, you know, kind of learning a new skill. And as I continue in the future, it's like, I want to learn new skills and 
constantly push myself in that way as well. Yeah. And for that trip, if anyone, you know, has gotten to this point on Carl's YouTube channel, it's called Deep Backcountry Winter Camping, five days, 40 miles and minus 23 Celsius. So it's cold. They have to go quite a ways away and all sorts of things happen. Uh, I won't ruin everything for, for anyone that wants to go watch it, but it's a fascinating video. It's it's a lot of fun to watch. And you definitely like when you get back to your truck, you can tell like, oh, we made it. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I was doing that trip with a friend, uh, Madeline, and I mean, she's super hardcore. She held the fastest known time unsupported on the Superior Hiking Trail in northern or along the north shore of Minnesota. And she's done a couple other big hikes, the Appalachian and Pacific. And so, like, we were both pretty experienced uh adventures and we both almost like had separate breakdowns on that trip because we pushed ourselves so hard so moving on to to what you're doing oh i should go back to your trip through south america so unfortunately because of covid if i'm not mistaken you made it to costa rica correct that is correct yep so from argentina to costa rica um, went through some sketchy situations with COVID, obviously people getting freaked out. Uh, I can imagine that some, uh, you know, some American riding his bicycle through town right at the beginning of COVID, everybody's like, yo, you better not have COVID. It's probably sketchy. I imagine that attributed to you deciding to put the travel or put the trip on pause, um, head back home. Um, at this point, you are doing the remainder of the trip backwards so you're going from alaska heading back down to costa rica correct yep so this august i started back in alaska just beef like i i flew up to alaska a couple days before canada opened up to american travelers so i was i was ready to cross uh right when canada opened back up (laughs) And uh, I'm currently down in the great state of Texas. And I don't uh, think we've done this yet. You're in your camp right now, just on your phone, talking to me remotely from literally your trip in South Texas right now where you are. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and beautiful Fort Stockton, Texas. That's That's wild. So when you get to uh costa rica are you uh, let me rephrase the question when you get to that point are you done and you're on to your next trip or for you is part of the planning process does it give you the flexibility to if you decided to like i'm just going to keep going and go back all the way down to argentina do you have that flexibility is that in your plans um how do you think about that when you try to plan some of these trips it's (laughs) i always I, I always bite off more and more with these sort of trips. <laughs> I do have, I don't have a job to rush back to or anything like that. So when I get down to Costa Rica, uh, yeah, I guess it will be a decision, decision based on how I feel at that time. Uh, there are certainly plans for more travels uh, later this 
2022. So uh, I do have I do have plans for more travels, <laughs> and whether or not that will involve going down to South America or <laughs> you know continuing just to the end of Central America down to uh, Panama again. You know, there's it's kind of up in the air at the moment. I'll, I'll make a decision when I get there. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, when you do this planning, and actually, let me take another step back. Uh, I apologize. But one of the videos that I really like is you do a breakdown of your actual, your bike and the, everything that's on it, the things that you're storing, which is for anyone who's looking at potentially doing a trip um, is a great video to take a look and kind of reference to to see what things you may need, what you might not need. Obviously, Carl does some pretty hardcore bike touring. So if you're just going, you know, let's say 100 miles, that might not be, you'd be able to scale down from there. But in that video, and the thing that I absolutely love, and I want to know the story behind, is what is up with the banana shirt? I know you say that you like it because it scares away the bears. Where did you get the shirt? And does does it really hold that high of a of a, of a place in your pack when you're doing these trips? I mean, it it's my shirt for for almost every single day I'm riding. <laughs> I wore it today, you know. I I really do do wear that shirt almost every single day. And I guess I I got that shirt in Vietnam on a on a trip by motorcycle actually. So I went to Vietnam and bought a motorcycle and then drove around part of Vietnam and then part of Laos as well. And they sell these shirts in Vietnam. So I got one. I liked it and started riding my bike with it. I think the first trip I brought it on was Kyrgyzstan and Kazakhstan. And I don't, I don't want to... <laughs> Say it actually scares away the bears because <laughs> I don't want any liability. <laughs> I don't need that. Fair but enough. uh <laughs> no, I, I if any if anybody wears that shirt and thinks it's gonna scare away bears, they deserve what comes to them, I guess. But <laughs> the the reason I wear it, or a big reason, is kind of to take down one more barrier when it comes to interactions with locals. Uh, traveling by bicycle already takes down a lot of that barrier. You know, I don't have don't have anything stopping a random person from coming up and talking to me. And if they're curious about my trip, they can they can do just that, and we'll definitely have a nice conversation. And I think the banana shirt is just one more way to say, "Hey, look at me!" I I'm uh I don't take myself too seriously. You can come and have a conversation. I've never thought about it in that context. What one of the rides you did too was the the Continental Divide in America, right? Yes. Yep, I did that in 2020. What's the difference between you know, you're talking about breaking that kind of like barrier so that people can talk to you and you can easily interact? Is there a difference when you do rides in America as opposed to when you do them in places like South America or, or you know, Kyrgyzstan or, you know, all the places that you've ridden? 
there are differences in areas of places like mm. within the united states there are like i experienced this la this last trip or sorry this last trip this trip i'm on right now let's be <laughs> honest oh man uh yeah in certain areas like maybe through the midwest not so many people were coming up to me but people people all over are curious and and friendly you know it really it really doesn't matter which country you're in you know so i i would say overall not really you know i always have uh friendly people like i'm always meeting friendly people i just met a guy today and i had gone all day without very much water and had some bad headwinds i ended up having a a puncture where i had to switch out my tire because i was running an old tire and so now i had to switch my tire actually and put a tube on so it was kind of a long day mm -hmm. and get to a gas station like the first gas station i've seen in 50 miles or in more than 50 miles to fill up water and go outside i'm about to leave and a guy comes up and curious about my trip he 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 said something that you know some uh some people will say but he said you know you're living does everybody come up to you and tell you you're living their dream <laughs> and yeah, I told him, you know, you like you get it. Like I don't have to explain anything to you, like why I'm doing this. But to a lot of people, I could try to go on and on about the reasons why you should try to do something like travel by bike, and a lot of people would never understand. And I think <laughs> it, it's just it's just weird because there are two different types of mindsets like of like oh why would you do that versus oh that's interesting i'm i'm curious maybe i would like to try it uh, uh and i know i'm going on a rant but anyway so i met a really nice guy i mean just today here in in the middle of nowhere in texas so it's uh there are there are nice people all over and the united states has wonderful people it yeah. really does and yeah yeah and and people from the most conservative areas and uh i mean people from all different backgrounds have treated me really really nice on my trip yeah it's another barrier broken right the one-on-one -on -one interaction regardless of where you are is still one human to another which is you know truly amazing but going back to what you were just kind of starting to elaborate on and, and you're more than welcome to rant uh, but one of the things that in the last, during this COVID period, you know, I've, I've started doing this podcast. The other thing I've done with my brothers is start doing backpacking trips, hiking trips within the state of New York where there's no cell phone reception. There's no, it's, there's nothing. It's you and what you carry in and what you carry out. And both times that we've done that so far, and we're planning another one soon, has been liberating, it feels like. There's no, it's you against yourself out there. And, you know, it's you against nature, but really I feel like it's you against yourself. You were talking earlier about how, you know, there are times that you just want to give up and 
what's interesting is when you put yourself in a situation and I'm not doing anything nearly as extreme as you are. Let's, let's be absolutely clear. But when you put yourself in a situation where you, where you do have to solely depend on yourself and you are pushing your own limits, there is no, Hey, I'm done. I'm going to go home because even going home is a huge journey as well, especially in a situation like where you are. For you to go home, you would have to literally cross several states back heading north. That's not an easy task, and it's not like you're just going to hop on a plane tomorrow either. So pushing those limits and pushing those envelopes, I have to imagine that when people ask you stuff, they do give you that look. And the look is either, I get it, I wish I could do it, or I don't understand why you're doing what you're doing. That's crazy. For the people who want to do what you do or want to expand their horizon or, you know, get into something, right? Whether it's hiking or climbing or biking or what, whatever have you, what would you tell those people to do to get started, to, to be less afraid of getting off the couch, getting out of the house and starting something new? I mean, the hardest thing is to start, <laughs> So I guess the first thing I would tell, like I would, t- I always tell them, you just have to start, you know, you yeah. just have to do something so you can start small uh, and, you know, just get outside. Like that's, that's one thing I, I don't care if somebody wants to travel by bike or go hiking or go fishing, whatever you want to do, just get outside and go do it, you know, get we we live in a world where there's i don't know too much uh too many distractions like too many electronic distractions and like if you just have to get out and and do it so that means like if you dream if you dream of doing some big bicycle trip start with doing a small trip you know that's exactly what i did or like when you're doing these you're doing these hikes, you know, every time you go on a hike, uh, and especially backcountry hiking, I mean, that's hard stuff. You're carrying all your gear and it's a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, every time you do that, okay. You expand your horizons a little bit. And then when you hear of somebody doing a longer through hike, you know, it's not that unbelievable. You know, it's just, what you did but uh you do it for 10 days in a row or 100 you know it's Mm -hmm. you just have to take those small steps and and start pushing beyond your comfort zone and uh and you'll amaze yourself so yeah i it's 100 percent true um going through that entire process for you over the last few years um, do you have any particular goal that you think, and I know you're mid trip right now, so I'm sure you're not really thinking too much about it, but in the back of your mind, is there a particular trip that you're like, this is my Holy grail. This is the, you know, this is the one that, that is going to be the trip of all trips for you. This, this trip that I'm on right now, I think is my my trip of all trips you know it's 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 pretty like the americas south america and north america are pretty amazing 
Uh, we're pretty lucky to be like for us in the United States. We have so many wide open and wild spaces. So, and South America is amazing. So I think this trip for me is, is that giant, uh, giant trip and, and something that after I accomplish this, then, then it will be, uh, maybe some smaller trips here and there, at least for a while before I plan something absolutely giant. You know, I've, I've toyed with the idea of Africa. So I, I do have a lot of like my, my, uh, bucket list is pretty long of adventures. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's, it's something that once you do, once you get into it and then you just keep on hearing of new things and think, okay, yeah, I would want to do that. So I think after this trip, it, there's a chance it will be some smaller trips before I have another large giant trip. I mean, there, yeah, there are so many things I would love to do. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like nope. I, I'm just think, think, thinking of, I mean, all the things. Like I, I would love uh, to get into sailing, and I mean, around the world sailing would be amazing. Mm. And so there are just there are just many things uh, to work towards, you know, <laughs> all the yeah. time. But but I want to stay in the moment with this trip, and I think that uh, this trip is definitely one of. I mean, it is up there as far as like the biggest trips I'll ever ever do. Well, I, I'm glad that you're on it. I'm glad that you're working towards finishing the, the crown jewel of crossing the Americas. Uh, hopefully nothing but safe travels and, and wonderful experiences for you. Uh, for those of you listening, I know I, I'm going to say it at the beginning of this podcast, but you can find Carl on Instagram, on YouTube. You can support him uh, on his Patreon as well. Uh, it's definitely a very cool, very reasonable thing. Uh, if you want to support, head over there. Uh, like I said, hopefully nothing but the best, nothing but safe travels. I'll be looking forward to keeping an eye on where you are, um, and, and, and hopefully I get a chance to connect with you down the road someday, Carl. Thank you for having me on the podcast. It's been a pleasure, and that great question. So thank you. Not a problem.